Clear enough? How are we doing? Yeah? Good. Excellent. Where to begin? I think we again just begin with intention. You know, when you begin with something, it means obviously there's pieces you miss out, or pieces that have to come later, or pieces that were kind of formed by themselves. And I would say that the fundamental basis is intention, and so clarify that. Intention obviously is something we can think. This is why it is uh, uh, paramount because you can you can actually get an intention going. Say, okay, I intend to uh, wait or be more patient or generate warm-heartedness or be more spacious. It's definitely something you can decide upon. You know, you, you can make an intention. This isn't enough, but it's a start. Because uh, to really develop intention, you've got to take it from your head into your heart. Am I really with this? Um, no, <laughs> not right now. <laughs> you know, I, I get the idea, and it's going to take a while to, yeah, but if I emotionally get on board with that. Yeah. So I intend to be more patient and generous, but right now I don't feel patient and generous. But that's my intention. And what does it take to get that into my, to let that sit in my heart? Perhaps to feel the stress of impatience or whatever, you know. Ah, oh, yeah. Can I come out of that? You yeah. So a certain tenderness, a certain reflectiveness to bring that, these qualities of intention into our hearts. You know? I intend to be present, but I don't feel I don't feel like it. I feel a lot of avoidance in my mind, in my heart. Okay, so I'll be with that, and you know, as I start to be with what I'm what I'm feeling in my heart, then that already is the beginning of being here, you know, developing being here, being here with my reluctance, being here with my uncertainty. That is being here. So, you know, you have to work pragmatically through your ideas your ideals and your aspirations into the heart which may be a little more reluctant or out of kilter with that as it as you know as I was saying it's quite uh, natural for it to be that way for various reasons you know so also then the intention has to come into the body. <laughs> you know. And uh, sometimes we miss this piece, as if the body is just the kind of lump that you sit yourself on or walk around in. But actually the body is intelligent, the body is alive, the body is a vital, very vital uh, function in stabilizing and bringing up the right kind of energy that make it possible to fully 
be here, to be present. You, know, you need you need a body. You need the body energy. So we're uh, asleep or compressed or agitated. Physi- there's a physical quality to that. There's a somatic quality to that. We feel tense. We feel nervous. And with that, in that state, then emotionally we don't feel right. We don't feel settled. You know. So the, the quality of, of heart it really does rest upon the quality of body. Not purely upon that, but that's one of the primary features of, of our emotional openness or stability is to feel that quality of steadiness, openness in the body. So there's a head, heart, body, these three places. Yeah. And why it's important just to touch into these is that when we consider something like mind, we very well have a head reference to that. Mind is the thinking, defining, organizing faculty. Yeah, that's part of it. Or we might, a little bit more meditation, reflection, mind is the emotive, affective, impressionistic, intuitive experience. The impulsive experience. Yeah. It's that too. It's the experience of faith or of patience or of energy or of anger or of grief. Yeah, it's that. It's the experience of motivation. Yeah, it's that. It's the experience of reluctance. It's that. It's the experience of that reminds me of, feels like, feels friendly, feels weird, feels uncomfortable. Yeah, that's the heart center. So yeah, that's, that's a big part of it mind, what we may often miss out on because of the uh, way that our understanding is organized is to leave the body out of it. You know, body and mind are two separate things. That's the kind of fundamental uh, position of the uh, Western understanding. But the Eastern understanding is, is not that way. Uh, the mind is embodied, you know, which means that you could say very, in the most immediate reference that we do have a nervous system. <laughs> the nervous system means that when you feel angry, your body tightens up. When you feel sad, your body kind of deflates. When you feel loved and welcomed, your body softens and opens. When you feel fearful, your body tightens up. These aren't big uh, you don't look that much different. Your color might change. You might redden or pale or get pallor or something like that. But you can definitely feel it, the difference. And when we're referring to, to body pri- primarily in this sense, we refer to it as the felt body, the somatic body, the, kinetic, the kinesthetic body, the body of balance, the body of, of uh, this very fundamental gut knowledge, you might say. Hmm. And so that has to come into place. If we don't feel a gut knowledge of feeling okay, then we don't feel a heart sense of that. The intention that has to come down into is the body okay about being here? And there are certain things that uh, body intelligence particularly looks out for. One is safety. Yeah. Balance, safety, okayness. Mm. Yeah. 
And we might also say it looks out for that which is comfortable, pleasant. Now these two areas are often challenged in our lives because we're moving along in areas which could be safe but may not be safe. If I'm walking through a street, there's so many hundreds of other people. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> you know, it's not an intellectual decision, but there's a sense there's all kinds of strange people and there's flashing lights and sounds and machines with wheels on them rolling past. You have every reason not to feel safe. You go down a subway and it's crashing and banging and a thousand people suddenly come rushing down a, uh, an elevator or whatever it is. And, you know, that's, uh, if you're an animal, you'd be very frightened. And on one level, our body still has those animal reflexes. And uh, the thing is that, that those, those reflexes can remain on kind of a soft alert all the time. So even though, you know, things aren't crashing and banging and everybody's taking precepts, still I've got that residual sense as, as kind of locked there as the default of, you know, because if it's there every day, <laughs> it becomes the norm. So you have to really encourage that sense of, you know, What's in front of me is safe and, ha- and comfortable. What's behind me is safe and comfortable. What's around me is my own space, non-intrusive, non-obstructive. You know, as we sit, as we stand, as we walk, you know, we want to f- have that sense of when we lose it. And is it comfortable? Is there a basic sense of being seen with benevolence? Now, you know, our, our, our triggering is so, is so fine on this because we're social creatures. We are creatures of the flock. You know, we form groups, we form relationships. We look out for what the herd is doing, <laughs> you know, on a very instinctive level. So there's th- those antennae are out, you know. And a lot of what people experience is, am I seen as okay? Am I seen as accepted? Am I you know, okay here. And a lot of time, we're not, you know, or we have that sense we might not be. We can be judged. Various kind of criteria can be presented that say, well, sorry, you're not good enough, you know. You're number three or you're number 10 or you're not even in the band. So when you're with a group of other people, however silly it may seem, you know, even though intellectually you know you're okay, you've got to get to that body sense of, you know, can I be seen, am I seen as okay? Do I find myself sitting in order to look good enough for the rest of the group? Do I, you know, <laughs> I don't really see kind of slumped over, drooling, you know. No, God, no, I want to sit like a rock. And, uh, you know, then it can get pretty stressful, can't it? And that sense of being seen is very uh, uh, paramount because, of course, when we develop uh, uh, witnessing, we start to see ourselves. And some of those very same judgmental attitudes can be applied. Yeah? You know, you have a moment when you're just sitting, sitting there, and suddenly you start to see yourself. Come on, straighten up, pull it together. Oh, dear. Oh, here he goes again. Yeah. <laughs> the seer is partly conditioned by the socialized 
Sia. You know, that which witnesses is not necessarily pure unconditioned awareness, <laughs> which has no take on anything. It's generally the, the super eco critic, which is a socialized uh, structure that's saying, you know, hey, snap out of it. Hey, you know, this, that, the other. And it can be going on all the time. So even when you're on your own, you're not on your own. You've got one of these or three of these sometimes or a dozen of them sitting on your shoulder, you know, mouthing into your ear about what you should be by now. So very important to get this sense of see and sometimes just seeing others with a sense of, you develop this, this way of sense of seeing others as may you be well, may you be at peace. You don't have to be something for me on a retreat, you know. And the more we develop that, a certain energy starts to develop. If we see each other in that light, then we start to see ourselves in that light. We feel seen in that light. And there's a very lovely experience that crystallizes generally over a period of a retreat. You know, it starts off with 90 individuals and it starts to soften into one group thing. It can be very lovely without even making personal social contact. Just because we start to see ourselves and see each other in a more generous and compassionate way. Mm. And you can feel that in your body. So a lot of the practices begin with this, just surveying, scrutinizing, or sweeping through the body, sensing how it is in its own right. It doesn't have to be a certain way for me. It's just this. It's just these sensations, energies, feelings, movements. And how is it in its own right when it's not ridden, driven by the head? How does it know itself? And the body is the, makes no judgment. It's only intelligence. Just to, All it knows is it's safe, you're balanced, you know, it's, it says that. So when we stand and we sit, we just the body knows that. And there's a beautiful simplicity about that. And noticing the places in your body which don't feel quite open yet. You know, we generally carry some armoring in our chests, our shoulders, our bellies. So those places you start to, the intention of kindness, acceptance, not even wanting to change it, but just breathing through it with that quality. You know, so you, you know, your upper shoulder doesn't really want to be here yet. Okay, how does it feel? And mostly making this empathic connection starts to bring the body into presence. And as the body comes into presence, it acts as, a, you might say, a nest, a nest, a platform within which the heart can sit. If you don't have a, a bodily presence, your heart, where does it, what does it sit in? It tends to sit in its own stuff. Yeah. And we try to maybe organize other people or the world around us to make me feel comfortable, okay, accepted, 
you know, properly seen. We ask that from everyone else, but we don't actually do it ourselves. The point is that in this uh, finding this quality in your body, it means you can feel that emotional assurance, backup, friendship, you could say, something standing with you, even when everything else around you is going crazy. That's for when it's really developed, of course. So this is when the, the Buddha, one of his experiences, he's, uh, it wasn't always such a, an easy ride, even being a Buddha. People would take a swing at him. And uh, they sent, they, one time they sent this drunken elephant charging towards him uh, you know, to, 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 to kill him. And I don't know what you'd feel like if you saw a drunken elephant charging towards you. But the Buddha basically just stood his ground, standing, breathing in, breathing out. May I be well, may others be well. And the elephant picked up this energy, slowed down and stopped. It's a story, you know. Now whether it's true or not, whether it's literally true or not, it's a, it's a good emblem, a good image to bear in mind. If you don't panic, if you don't tighten up, there's a quality of truthful assurance, clarity, unflusteredness that definitely has an effect on your own heart and on people around you. I remember one occasion being when I was in India and got mugged um, by a group of uh, outlaws you know, with, with axes and cudgels. And when you get uh, attacked by a group of uh, such people, when there's six of them, it's not really a time to do a lot of negotiating. You know, basically, the fundamental message is, yes, sir. There's <laughs> <laughs> not a time to get on high-handed principles but, but this the message didn't really come across very well but basically what I could do is just keep my own presence breathing in breathing out even as they you know attempted to take my life with a feeling that if you know if six people come to take my life you know I'm not a martial arts expert there's not a lot I can do about that what I can do about is deal with fear and aversion in my own mind so just practicing with that. And that energy, you know, calmed everybody down. So I came through unharmed. Whereas my friend, who'd actually done the opposite, got very badly beaten up. So it, it does make uh, sense. And that, you know, when we recognize the bottom line is that we are vulnerable we may die, we may get run over, we may be killed. What can we do ultimately is we can relinquish fear, aversion. That's what we can do. And so you bear this in mind even at the time of your dying that your dying will be a peaceful, spacious one and uh, rather than going out in fear or tension. But maybe we won't get to that place in the next 10 days. But we can look at all those times when we feel psychologically threatened or threatened by our own 
hearts and minds. Can I manage this? Is this going to be overwhelming? Can I cope with this? I'm going to go nutty in the next 10 days. Would it be too much? Breathing in, breathing out, here I am. This is what I can know. You're setting up that that intentionality to be present, to be fully whole here. And there's a calming effect that comes along with that. Naturally, you know, we begin with the we begin with our with our heads considering things. Then we start to direct ourselves towards our body because it is the the simplest in a way. And you provide a ground of stability, of freedom from affliction, freedom from obstruction, freedom from intrusion. Your heart starts to open up. Oh. And as it opens up, maybe a lot of its, you know, unresolved topics come up. It's like you're unfolding it. So all the creases and crinkles become apparent, you know, little bits that have been locked up in the folds. You know, it's like you're pulling a sheet open and all the breadcrumbs and bits and pieces come out of it. (laughs) Now is not the time to to shut it all down again. <laughs> You're opening, letting it open slowly and whatever is present, in a sense of uh, generating the quality of, of uh, warmth, compassion, clarity, calm. Yeah. Letting it have its say. And with all this, because to maintain the ability to be with our un- unresolved or unprocessed emotions and feelings and attitudes. You know, we have to get the sense of the bodily presence so you feel like you're, you're in that bodily presence so you can be with your heart but not in it. Now, if you get in it, what tends to happen is we re- react to our reactions, we react about reacting to our reactions we, and we just get more and more. You get a feedback loop going on. So this is not about emotional suppression, nor is it about emotional engagement. It's about maintaining the correct, a spacious relationship that is sustained bodily. It's sustained through the steady body energy. And the most fundamental felt experience of that is breathing in, breathing out. And it's a Part of the fundamental or basis of the contemplative tradition or the Asian understanding of breathing is that it is uh, not purely a matter of of air passing in and out through the lungs. It's a matter of energy, sometimes called chi, sometimes called prana. Uh, So you have anapanasati, pana, there is the Pali form of the Sanskrit word prana, which means uh, energy, breath energy. Mm. So that as we meditate, sometimes the physical breath becomes very subtle. And the interesting thing is the subtler the physical breath gets, the more palpable and sustained the energetic breath is. When I say energy, I don't necessarily, it's not a matter of force or vigor, 
it's, you might say it's vitality. So as we breathe in and breathe out, we get the sense of how is this really affecting me bodily? How is this affecting me? That's the way, that's the reference you might say to getting in touch with the, the breath as an energy experience. And fundamentally, when you breathe in, you know, if you look at that right across the board of, of a population of people, everybody breathing in finds that when they breathe in, there's a brightening quality. So, you know, when we're about to take on a task, we say, okay, take a deep breath. Here we go. You know, <laughs> you kind of, re- you know that draws it all up, doesn't it? It gathers you together. And generally that's associated with an intention. Okay, here we go. Let's get going. Breathe in. So your mind picks up, your, your head picks up, your body picks up, and you emotionally you know, rally yourself around a particular thing. So that's the breathing in. If you notice it, just sense your body when you're breathing, and the places you might recognize is around the heart, the chest, the palms of the hands, the face are the most uh, sensitive places where you can feel a kind of subtle tingling, flushing going on. And these are the places that obviously when you feel extremely afflicted or, or strong emotions, these places will register it. Yeah? You, know, you get a blush or you get uh, tight in your chest because there's a, the, the, the emotions and the, mind and the body are, are correlated. And we use that to, in anapanasati, mindfulness of breathing, as you smooth and steady the breathing energy so you smooth and steady the heart energy. So that's our, one of our intentions is just to connect all these together. Now, your head is primarily associated with organizing experience. It's not, the head center is not about feeling. You know, feeling is kind of gets in the way. Heart centers about feeling, relationship, sensitivity, being in. Your head is just about organizing all that. So the head center is, is very much emphasized in our culture and society because this is the bit that goes to work. It's the bit that adds up the sums. It's the bit that, you know, tells me what I'm going to do about this, that and the other and my life and the plans in the future and other people and who I'm going to vote for. It's, bu- it's a busy little critter. And uh, generally the, the thing, it, the, the myth is that the faster and quicker it goes, the better your life will be. <laughs> the more you can keep ticking those boxes and uh, checking those boxes and organizing things, you'll organize your life into a comfortable package. Yeah. So this capacity we have to organize is, is a great talent for people, but of course it's only part of the picture and it can be the case that we're so organized that we've become a complete nervous wreck. <laughs> Stressed out with organizing everything, figuring everything out. Um, so we've lost touch with presence, with being here, 
we're always shifting it and organizing it and changing it and figuring it and comparing it and contrasting it and adding it up, dividing it, subtracting, multiplying it. Um, some of the actual quality of what we experience has evaporated. We've got the boxes, but there's nothing in them. You've got the spreadsheets, but there's no figures on them. So life becomes uh, incredibly uh, kind of strangely meaningless or strangely lacking in quality. Now, we do have this, this head center, so it's not to dismiss that or even to you know, take up a big uh, irrationalist fundamentalism like all thinking is wrong. Just feel it through your heart because the heart can get pretty stupid too. <laughs> Reactive and impulsive and biased and bigoted and confused and worried. So it's really the, the point is that we try to, where all three come together, where there's a holistic presence, body, heart and mind, body, heart and head, this is when we're going to be at our sanest and most balanced when the three come together. No, that's our intention. How do I just use my head enough to say what's happening? Where is it now? How is your body? Tell me about it. Just, you know, it's called vitaka. It's a pointing. There, 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 there. How is it? Yeah, I know, but how, yeah, but just that point. Just get, yeah, 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 right. But just get there. You know, vitaka and vichara means uh, is is the sense of how you know uh, how is it how is it changing how is it feeling now. So it's more like the vitaka is the finger and vichara is the palm. Point, hold, touch, feel. Tell me about it. Go there. Tell me about it. Go there. Bring it in. And this is our uh, you might say the almost the basic meditation technique in right across the board is you point to the theme of your meditation whether it's body breath mantras mudras external objects internal objects you point to that and you stay with that and get the feel for it stay with that long enough to get the feel for it so you get some feedback loop occurring and this is what we do with our heads And now, uh, uh, as we begin this uh, retreat, as a general theme, you know, the first thing is, is to, to really you get the sense of your first intention is to connect the whole lot and find the steadiness where they, where you find a manageable steadiness, and uh, that potential, potential will grow from there. Potential will unfold and develop from there. You've got to get the kit. You've got to get your wheels on the road. There's no point rowing the boat like crazy until you put it in the water. <laughs> There's no point, you know, pumping on the gas pedal until you switch the engine on. You've got to connect. You know? There's radical uh, disconnection. It is a fundamental problem in our lives. Because many people can experience themselves like a head on wheels. 
just you know <laughs> or a head with wings it's kind of navigating the storms of life you know, bouncing around you know body was that <laughs> and the overall emotional sense of that is overwhelmed un- out of control don't look down <laughs> you don't want to know <laughs> just keep going you know and then kind of like, like oblivion places where you, you keep going till you crash and oblivion out, you know, veg out, couch out. Yeah, so this can be a paradigm that, uh, you know, I'm exaggerating it, but uh, uh, perhaps I'm not. <laughs> Depends. Without some careful steering and, and, and good friendship and introspection, this is what can happen. Driven. And that's the time sense, isn't it? The time sense of the, the wonderful future, the droolable future that we can get to if we just go a little harder, a little faster, do the right kind of moves and manipulations and organize it, we can get to the promised land. Hmm. Who gets there? Somebody else gets there, apparently. You know, Once they've been photoshopped and so forth, they look like they got there. Nobody's got there. <laughs> Some people look better at it, though. <laughs> got better, get a better frontage. <laughs> you know, why is it so many quote-unquote successful people have breakdowns or substance abuse or, you know, because of the, in order to succeed, you often drive beyond your capacities as a whole human being. And sooner or later, there's a toll on that. There's a radical disconnection. And it's not that people decide to do that. It happens. A certain sense of nervous nervous system overloads. It starts to just shut down. And this is what we will do in a state of of panic. An animal will do this. It just shuts off and runs. And in that, we don't feel anything because the primary thing is to just get out. And then you do the feeling later. So, you know, you know an animal being attacked by something will just shut down and run, you know. And then later on, recover. And often they kind of shake themselves as they, get, they come back into normality. But for a human being, you know, the prey, the predators are innumerable. There's the tax department predator. Yeah. <laughs> there's the predators on the highway there's the predators at the office that's going to fire you, you know. so there, there are innumerable psychological threats so in fact we never come out of that panic we're just in low grade sustainable panic you know, like a frightened deer and in that there's a kind of disconnection mm-hmm. maybe you know, we come out of that in periods where we feel how we are and feel with another person yeah. uh, but the overall result can be this sense of an emotional loss we feel lost we feel estranged we feel alienated we don't feel complete we don't feel whole we don't feel we don't know what we feel because we don't feel it and yet once someone says like trust you realize oh that's what I don't feel <laughs> or joy oh or 
you know, innocence or oh, wonder, you know, you know that, that quality of freshness and brightness and being in that you can see with uh, small children, you know, and you wonder where, where all that went. How performance basically, you know, clipped and pruned that out. The sense of just being able to take in a moment and go, oh, oh, <laughs> and how full one felt in those times with very small things and that you know, to enjoy. There's nothing wrong with any of us individually. It's just that we do suffer from, or we may very well suffer from, this sense of disconnection. And indeed, that would be quite natural to do that when we're in such a scenario. Now, one of the things you can recognize with this is there are certain structures that start to occur in that disconnection, when I say structures, I'm not looking at physical structure, I'm looking at psychological structures. One is that we become either intensely internalized, like, how am I, who am I, what are they thinking about me, I didn't like the way he looked at me, am I doing okay, you know, is this the right thing, maybe I should do some of this, it's just like, wow. You know, I mean, you sit there and there's a, there's a massive story going on. So we become intensely internalized, or we become intensely externalized, Grab it, go for it, you know. And uh, there's very little sense of an inner life. So this radical sense of imbalance, either we, we become very strongly internalized, tendency towards obsessive or compulsive thought patterning, most of which is looking for assurance. Hmm? Or we become intensely externalized, most of it's looking for happiness, interesting things out there. So this, this means that the, the, this structuring occurs. And it's important to bear in mind that our, f- our fundamental experience in being born here in this plane is we are, we are a being in. We're not a being, we're a being in. We're not internal or external, we're a meeting place. We're, we're a being in. All of us arose within someone else's body. That's our, our, our you know, home base. We, we arose in connection. Without it, you didn't happen. <laughs> so all of our, our subtle and uh, uh, energies and subtle awareness is attuned to, I'm in something, how is it? You know? So obviously, you know, in, in, in the womb, then the, the whole uh, process of that is that the mother is actually giving good energy to the um, embryo, to the, to the little one. And if she's not, then that's a, that's a difficulty. So, so the fundamental sense of the human birth is to, first of all, be in the benevolence. We didn't deserve it. We didn't own it. We didn't win it. It was just we were we were in it, yeah. And then when we were born, there's a kind of a, a, you know a trauma of some kind because su- suddenly that becomes less guaranteed. 
<laughs> as you grow older, it gets more and more, well, you've got to in, uh, earn it. So there can be that cutting off from a sense of really being in. And when I say being in, I don't mean in a building, in a house. I mean, just it's much more a, a sense of a consciousness that experiences, well, I've said it again, being in. <laughs> I'm being in a space. You know, the space is not nothing. It's that which gives me the sense of, here I am. I'm, I'm, an in, I'm in this. You know, I rise in this. Yeah. So it's not... Uh, focused on any particular specific external thing nor is it focused on any internal thing it's just a sense an overall sense of I'm in I'm in something and that uh, and to touch into that brings us to that quality of benevolence you know it's almost like that signature tune has not got lost but it just we lost touch with it, of being accepted by the universe, you might say, being in. So wherever we can come back into that, even standing on our own, without you know, earning, deserving anything, you get this, once you get that sense of being in, you feel fundamentally assured, like, I am okay. You know, I'm basically okay, there may be difficulties or problems, but fundamentally, I'm okay, I'm here. And it's not something that requires any kind of emphasis or affirmation. It's just a natural given. You are okay. And so a lot of that energy of trying to make make sure we're okay then can settle down. We don't have to prove, win, become, develop, you know, sort out, resolve. You know, those are details, but fundamentally there's a sense of okay. And that's your resource because that sense of okay is, is, is both a, a, an energy, like a certain open, steady state energy. It's vital, it's alive. You could say it has, a, has an emotional basis of fundamental trust. Okay, this is difficulty, but difficult, but yeah, we'll, we'll get through. I don't know what's going on, but maybe I don't need to. You know, the right answers come up to these questions I don't know but maybe I don't need to know Ah, because there's kind of basic sense of trust in being so there's a fundamental strength you might say of here I am a fundamental trust or you could say warmth or fundamental love maybe trust is a quieter word but however and then the fundamental clarity which comes into your head which says this is a detail this well we'll see about that this you don't need to deal with that this one well let's look at this more clearly and in fact the organizing capacity gets really sensible I don't know how good you are at organizing your lives It's so easy, you know, you, you get to your desk and there's 15 notes on it and 17 emails and three things in your uh, scramble. Yeah. The first thing to get a sense of is, I'm here, I'm okay. And then from there you start to think, well, yeah, yeah. Well, 
Yeah. Well, she can, yeah. I've heard, yeah, that one. <laughs> you have to differentiate clearly rather than just this sense of overwhelm where you're trying to make the world, sort the world out and then I'll be okay. That isn't going to happen. You know, find your okayness, then you can start to sort the world out. That is going to happen, possibly. So, our intention, connect. Find out the sense of fundamental strength, fundamental faith or trust, fundamental clarity. Even the clarity to know, um, I can't figure anything out. I can't remember what he said. Okay, that's clear. (laughs) Where are you now? Feet, legs, body, back. How are you with that? Can you be okay with that? Yeah. There you got it. And even though this may sound like, is that all? But actually sustaining that through these overflows of residual uncertainties and anxieties and sensations and moods is a powerful practice. It's like you maintain a particular line of intention a line of intention, and stuff starts to unpeel around that, starts to peel off around that. And you maybe find that there's one or two things you really want to focus on. But you first of all, there's a kind of sorting out of this pile. <laughs> Attention, pay, so the, that's your intention is that. So let's have a a little, I think that's enough talking for right now. Let's spend a little time in meditation and I'd like to suggest that we start with some standing meditation.